then here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hey there, hi there, ho there, how there. Um, Rob Howe here for the HF Mailbag Podcast. We are recording the podcast on Wednesday, July the 20th, a little bit before 10 a.m. Central Time here in Iowa City. Um, Going to be coffee sips today. Had a long Tuesday, which is why this podcast is dropping on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday. And just a little heads up. That's probably going to be the case next week as well. I will be uh, in Indianapolis, most likely, for the Big Ten football kickoff media availability, press conference, convention, gala, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Iowa, uh, Kirk Ferentz, and he's bringing along Jack Campbell, Kayvon Merriweather, and Sam Laporta. They will meet with the media on uh, Tuesday. Is that the 26th, maybe? Um, so we'll head down to Indianapolis for that. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time. I think my first one was in 1998. Um, I don't think I went to 97 because I got here during the football season, but uh, that will be next week. So anyway, long story short is I will probably have to push the podcast, the mailbag podcast to Wednesday of next week. So just a heads up there. The reason I did today, because yesterday was jam-packed. I had uh, had the NIL press conference, uh, Iowa Swarm NIL press conference, which we will discuss on this podcast, along with a basketball press conference, along with shooting two high school state baseball games over at Iowa's Dwayne Banks Field. Liberty High and Iowa City High. Iowa City, Liberty, Iowa City High played yesterday. City High won, Liberty lost. But for those that don't know, I shoot photos for Your Prep Sports, uh, which is uh, owned by the same folks that own Hawk Fanatic, who bring you this podcast. So uh, it's all kind of very uh, connected, what I do. But that's kind of the life I got. (laughs) Got my daughter off at volleyball practice yesterday at 9 a.m., went to the post office, got to the NIL press conference that started at 10, finished that up, got over to the Liberty Baseball game, which started at 11.30, came home, 
worked up those photos from Liberty Baseball and then the, the coverage from the NIL press conference went back out for the 230 basketball press conference, came back, worked on that, um, ate dinner, made dinner, Taco Tuesday, made dinner last night, and then uh, headed back out for City High Baseball, which was scheduled to start at 7.30. It actually started at 8.30. Um, so long day yesterday, but you guys all work your asses off too. That's part of uh, part of uh, the working class in this country, and uh, that's kind of how we make this thing work. So, And I'm back at it this morning. Uh, not the worst for wear. Uh, drinking plenty of coffee. So there are going to be coffee sips in this podcast. And I know there's at least one person out there that that, that bugs, but too bad. <laughs> I'm tired and I'm trying to get through today. Um, coffee sip time. So before we get rolling, I want to let you guys know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That's sui.org. We thank Systems Unlimited, Wild Rose Casino, and Edward Jones for their support of our podcasts. Uh, most days you get a fresh Iowa podcast Monday through Friday. Today, you're going to get two. You're going to get the flagship podcast with Pat Hardy and the guys from KCBJ and this one. So doubling up today, but normally we try to spread it out. So we have at least one new fresh Hawkeye podcast every day of the week. And there are times where uh, Pat's podcast doesn't come off if there's an uh, event at the radio station, uh, usually on Fridays that they have to uh, cancel the Hawk Fanatic podcast over there. But for the most part, we're Monday through Friday on this feed, so please check us out when you can. Uh, Going to jump in here to the questions right away, um, and let's start with uh, with Jake Markham, who talks about who asked about the NIL, and I think that's a good place to kind of jump in here to get people up to speed on what we learned uh, this week and yesterday. Uh, Brad Heinrichs is a former Iowa golfer. He's leading. He's the CEO of this. Iowa Swarm Collective, and I believe it's iowaswarm.com on uh, social or uh, on the internet. Look that up for you real quick here. Um, but you can get more in depth um, with what they are doing over there at that collective. Uh, why can I not find that? It should come up sooner than that. Let's see here. Uh, I'm sorry. I think it's iowaswarm.com. But anyway, um, I'm going to try to explain this kind of in the simplest terms and understanding that this is a fluid situation. We're still only a year into NIL. And I know the NCAA would like to uh, rein it in a little bit, not have it as because there's I think you have folks that are, you know, the Texas Lamborghini, uh, you know, pay, paying players basically for play, um, which is legal right now. Uh, there aren't any restrictions. And again, I won't go over this because I've hammered them enough, but the NCAA got let this get to where it got to by letting this go to the Supreme Court and getting hammered, getting shut out in the Supreme Court. So now it's open game. So 
Now there's litig- there's a um, uh, you know a, a decision made from the highest court that if the NCAA tries to do anything here to regulate the amount of money that a player can make for whatever reason, um, it's going to find itself in court and it's going to have an uphill battle. And I know people are like, well, this is the way it should be, what I was doing, which, what I'll explain to you in a minute. And yeah, in the spirit of NIL, this is the way it should go. Uh, players making uh, money off their name, image, and likeness. But the, the, it's kind of the Wild West right now and figuring out where that goes from here. We'll, we'll see. But Basically, Iowa, the Iowa Swarm Collective is two-pronged. The first part of it is tied to charities and appearances for charities. And the United Way is, is a big part of that. And, and under the United Way umbrella, there are a lot of charities that, you know, can have money raised through the student-athletes' appearance fees but it's not where these student athletes are just going to get money to get money. They're going to have to do things. And that's charitable work, um, you know, appearance fees, things like that. And it's going to be a stipend based on doing those things. And this is for every Iowa men's and women's basketball player and football player. This does not include any of the other sports, which I found interesting. Um, I don't know where wrestling, uh, baseball, uh, field hockey, soccer, tennis, swimming, any of these come in now. I don't, they're kind of on their own from this prong of this Iowa Swarm Collective. Now, the other prong is they have... Um, they hired two folks from the Iowa Foundation to help connect student athletes with businesses, both locally, nationally, perhaps even internationally, to um, get paid for doing commercials for sponsorships, basically, whether that's, you know, a car dealership in town or, you know, Gatorade for you know, Caitlin Clark does a Gatorade commercial or something like that. So it's going to facilitate uh, advertising sponsorship opportunities for the student athletes, but that's going to be more free market. So if it's Spencer Lee or Caitlin Clark, or, you know, maybe it's Caden Proctor coming in or Xavier Wonkpa or a named football player who's able to make money off of his or her name that's separate they get to keep that separately but then there's going to be that base of a stipend a certain amount of money that each men's and women's basketball player and football player gets monthly based on these uh events and then there are also going to be there's a uh a gala where i think they're honoring ed podolak and Gary Dolphin for 25 years of broadcasting, being the exclusive broadcasters of of Iowa football and men's basketball. Um, I don't know how long Bobby Hansen's been doing it. But anyway, that's kind of a a gala where people um, 
Iowa fans, supporters, boosters, whatever the term you want to use is, they um, go to this gala and get to rub elbows with my guesses. Kirk's going to be there, maybe some players, Gary, uh, Ed, whatever. And then they pay like, you know, whatever it is, a plate and to get into this thing. And that money goes into this Iowa Swarm Collective. Uh, and they'll do other things like that. They mentioned uh, a opportunity for fans to go with the Iowa men's basketball team to go see Iowa play Duke in Madison Square Garden. You fly on the team plane. You go to the arena on the team bus. You get to go into practice. You get to see kind of the inner workings of Iowa men's basketball. Those are the types of things that they're going to do to raise money. Uh, Brad was asked kind of what money goals are, and it's hard to know at this point. Um, you know, he said, you know, millions, he'd like to see it get into the millions. Um, he donated, donated a hundred K himself. Um, but it's going to come down to how much the Iowa fan base wants to support this. And that's the same for, um, the Iowa city collective. That's for the players that they launched, I think last week or yeah, they launched on Friday I believe, and they're up to around a thousand people that are involved in that. And I think that's. 199 a pop to join that. And then they're going to have separate, um, and that's just Iowa football. They're going to have events like that too, where they have exclusive tailgates where you can go meet the players if you're part of that. And then you get merchandise and you get access. Um, and then Brad for the Iowa Swarm Collective also, uh, also mentioned a like TV feed, a, a video feed of uh fans being able to i don't know if it's interact with student athletes but at least get exclusive content uh you know i don't know if they're produced video content of like video features like you see on big 10 network or whatever um, but i think they're still kind of working their way through all of this but that's the basic foundation of where iowa is at N with nil right now from this iowa swarm collective to the iowa city nil player football player collective and i think we're going to see more things grow out of this i mean the women's basketball team could start their own collective and the men's basketball team and whatever wrestling and you know, wrestling has a lot of it's it's kind of has that niche of a different fan base than some of the other sports. It could probably do pretty well in that area of having a collective. So it'll be interesting to see where all of this goes from here. Um, the one, I guess, question that I think and I asked this of Brad and I think I don't remember if I asked it of Kirk or somebody else did Kirk Ferentz. Basically, this is this is kind of a litmus test to see where Iowa is in this market. Sorry, coffee, coffee sip. Um, can Iowa compete with like schools, smaller schools, bigger schools, whoever is using their NIL um, in a different way, whether it is just pay for play? Um, you know, if a kid comes in here and says, hey, so-and-so university is offering me 200000 up front, um, do you just let that kid go? Do you get to a point with this collective where you, you, if you really want a kid, whether it be football, basketball, whatever, do you pay that money up front? And if you don't, 
are you losing it? That's the competitive balance. Can you make what you're doing work on this landscape in this market? Can you compete with your opponents, your like opponents, whether it's, you know, Iowa state in state, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Purdue, are they taking talent away from you? Do you lose talent that you've developed on your roster? Because you're like, eh, you know, what our deal is, is we have a stipend. We're not going above that. If you want to go out and earn money from a car dealership, have at it. We'll help you do that. But we're not giving you money up front. That's going to be the interesting part of all this, right? Is can Iowa's collective right now match up and continue to bring in the necessary talent to compete. Because as good as the coaches are, if you're not recruiting or bringing in the talent that you have previously and, and it's going to other schools because you're at a disadvantage with your NIL, then you need to adjust. And I think I will have the ability to adjust. Will it? When will it? Those are all questions we don't know. So that's kind of it in a nutshell without me just dribbling on here. Um, and a lot like in, in talking Connor McCaffrey yesterday, Spencer Petras, they like the idea, but they're also of the opinion of what I just mentioned. You know, can you compete with this model with other schools in your region, in your league, around the country for talent? And maybe Iowa still is able to get and I'm thinking specifically of, of the sports that are under the umbrella of the Iowa Swarm Collective, women's basketball, men's basketball, and football. Can you still recruit at the level you're recruiting at to win at the level you're, you're winning at? And can you, I mean, because the goal is to go above that. You know, it's been, you know, a long time since football and men's basketball have won a regular season Big Ten championship. Are you status quo are you increasing your chances of doing that through nil or are you losing ground those are questions that are going to constantly have to be asked and analyzed throughout this process because it's again we're only a year in and we'll have to see kind of where it goes from here but it's kind of my uh my uh layman's description of what's going on i certainly do not know all the ins and outs of this and where it's going from here, but that's my best understanding of where things stand today. So appreciate that question, Jake. I think a lot of people were wondering that, and hopefully I did a decent job of explaining at least where Iowa is at this point in the NIL um, game, so to speak. Um, another question uh, from Jake, why is Luca not an, an, every, an, an everyday player in the NBA every time he gets a chance to play all he does is produce I agree it's um for the NBA it's if you look at where Keegan Murray is he is the prototype NBA player long athletic skilled um plays inside plays outside versatile all of those things, he fits that mold and he produces. Luca produces, but does not fit that mold. If you watch him, he's not a natural athlete. He has to work really hard 
to compete at that level. Now, having said that, he competes well at that level. He competes well at that level when it comes to G League, when it comes to Summer League. He needs to do it more consistently if given the opportunity, and that's the rub. Will the evaluators look at him and say, listen, let's give the kid a shot. Let's see for an extended period what he can do in the league if we give him a shot. But there are a lot of guys wanting that shot. There are a lot of guys deserving of that shot. Luca just needs a break, really, is what it comes down to, because he is an old school big guy in a lot of ways. He would have been better 20 years ago and probably had a really good chance to make it in the league. Game's different now. So he's got to continue to develop and figure out what he can do to stick in the league. And then he needs a chance. Then he just needs the opportunity, somebody to provide him with an opportunity to have a consistent run of showing he belongs or doesn't belong. And that's kind of the rub. Um, To me, I think Aaron White could be an NBA player, Jared Utoff, or even Joe Wieskamp and Tyler Cook and Devin Marble. And you look at the guys that have come through here in the last 10 or 15 years, and you're like, yeah, given the right shot, they probably could make it. Um, and giving, given the chance to develop while in the league and learn as you go along, because it's different when you're, you're, you know, toiling in the G League, they bring you up, the level of competition is night and day, and then you're trying to make that quick impression in a, in a very small window, and it's really just really hard to do, and also you have NBA GMs that are going to give first rounders and other guys longer looks because it makes them look better rather than take a shot on a, on a free agent or, you know, a guy that was a second round pick or whatever. Those are the, and that happens in all pro sports football as well. Um, You know, they're going, the GMs and the player personnel people want to be proven right. So they're going to give a guy, who's a a more has more, you know, greater status when it comes to the front end, whether it be draft or whatever, and trying to give those guys an opportunity to succeed, to make themselves look better. So that's kind of the cycle that Lucas and Joe Wieskamp are in right now. We'll see, hopefully they get a chance to show them, show their abilities this year. And when they, if they are given that opportunity, they're able to excel. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think both have the opportunity, or I should say both have the ability to do it. It's whether or not they are provided an opportunity and then they make the most of said opportunity. Uh, which newcomer are you most, this is Jake Markham, his last question. Which newcomer are you most excited about this year for men's basketball? Well. There aren't many to choose from here, Jake. It's basically Josh Dix or DeSante Bowen. There are some walk-ons as well, uh, but those are the two that I think. Fran said yesterday that he expects Josh Dix to be full go by September 1st. Uh, That's not that long. That's less than a month and a half. We'll see. Um, I saw Josh yesterday. Uh, We talked to him and DeSante, and it looks like he's progressing. Uh, but he still can't have contact. He still can't take part in contact. 
Um, so he kind of does his thing off on the side while the team is, you know, has the part, the portions of practice that are contact oriented. He can't take part in those. Obviously he can't, it's non-contact. So he is kind of working out separately there. I don't know how much he falls behind not being able to take part in certain parts of practice, but um, hopefully he's able to come back and, and contribute in some way this year, as long as he's healthy. But I think it's probably Bowen. Uh, I asked Fran yesterday about kind of where things stood at the point guard position. And he mentioned, you know, Aaron Eulis and, and DeSante Bowen are kind of the two guys right now going at it. And I watched a little bit of practice yesterday. We were afforded that opportunity to watch about 30 minutes of practice. Uh, after the stretching, it was a lot of uh, just kind of uh, fast break work against, you know, some three-on-three, three, some four-on-four four type fast break work, uh, and Bowen and Euless were going at it. I think Aaron looks a lot more comfortable. I, I think he's going to take a big step forward this year, Aaron Euless, and I know he's going he's, to – he's motivated by what we see from DeSante Bowen, um, which is, you know, a really long, longer, taller um, point guard that really fits this system. Um, whereas, uh, and I'm not saying that's, we just haven't seen Aaron. He's dealt with injuries. He's kind of been behind J, J Bo and Toussaint. So he's had two years to develop those. So hopefully he takes that next step. And the combination of those two guys really solidifies that position. And then Fran also mentioned that, um, you know, they could, they could, move have Tony Perkins play some point Connor can play some point they have other options there as well so be interesting to see how that shakes out but DeSante Bowen would probably have to be the pick for me Jake uh I think he's got a chance to be pretty good and I think he'll get better as the season goes on thank you for those questions and I will move on here um let's see uh E at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014 which Iowa basketball recruit will make the biggest difference this year? And that kind of piggybacks Jake's question. I think it's Bowen uh, for the reasons I just mentioned. I think uh, he has a ch he just looks physically ready. Um, he he just he looks the part. We'll see what happens when he gets out there against like real opponents and defenses. How he'll handle that. But he played in a very competitive. Uh, prep league up in New England and uh, did really well. So I think he's going to come in kind of uh, battle tested in terms of the level he played in in high school. Obviously, it's a huge step up to Big Ten basketball. If he can handle, if he can hold up physically, I think he's got a chance to be a, a significant contributor this year. Coffee said. Uh, e, with his second question, will Banks field renovations make a big difference in baseball attendance this season? I'm not sure if it's a, if it'll be a, a big difference. It could make a difference. Uh, but much like I was talking about with wrestling, baseball kind of is a niche and has its loyal following. And if you go to a game, you see a lot of the same faces there. Um, I don't know what it will take to get more people involved, maybe some fringe fans, some just regular overall Iowa athletic fans or 
baseball fans that want to see a different brand of baseball, all of those things is those are those are the groups you need to market for. Um, but and I think it'll take more than than field renovations to do that because banks right now is pretty um, fan friendly. It, you can see pretty much wherever you're at. Um, I think they can expand it a little bit. That the 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 stumbling block or, or the issue really is the baseball season itself, right? E, you're playing a lot of times in cold weather. That's what you have to convince people to come out and maybe watch the sport in a climate that's not really friendly. You have to bundle up. You're cold. The wind whips through there. I've been there. I've been out there plenty of times where it's just not enjoyable. Um, And that's really, you need some luck. You need it to be a little bit warmer in the spring um, to get maybe those fringe fans out or the ones that aren't as diehard. Um, So I think those, but having said all that, renovations are needed. It is, I've seen plenty of high school fields that are better than Banks Field. Um, I don't like the turf. I get why they do it. Um, it's for uh, financial reasons. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to tend to it. Uh, it drains. Uh, it's easy to manage. I get all of those things, but it's just not. An, it's it's ugly, <laughs> for lack of a better term. It's just you know turf dirt or dirt colored turf. It's just, it's not appealing at all. I don't like it. Um, uh, I don't know how the players feel about it, but uh, I'd like to see them go back to grass. Uh, Which just drafted Hawkeye basketball and baseball players will get to the World Series or NBA Finals in one to three years? Um, Trying to think. you're going to need Adam Mazur to make it to the pros in three or make it to the show in three years, major league baseball. And he's got a chance to do that. That's not a a crazy window for a guy drafted where he was drafted Um, with 53, somewhere in the early fifties, mid fifties, he was drafted. I don't have it in front of me by the San Diego Padres who are a, a good franchise and, so it, it's definitely between he and Keegan. Um, I do not see the Kings making it to the NBA finals in three years. So I will, uh, but Keegan is already on the top level. So it's a good question. It really is. I will take, uh, I will take neither. Um, but if you're asking me uh, maybe who has the best chance, I would say Keegan, because I think you can turn things around pretty quickly. So that put him in year three, get a couple more draft classes. Other, you know, the Warriors are getting older. Who knows? Uh, I think it's a, it's a harder climb for Adam Major to go three years, get to the Padres, and then the Padres overcome the Dodgers to make the World Series. So I'll say Keegan, but I don't think either is very likely in that window of time. Thanks for the questions, E. Uh, let's see here. I don't know why that did that. I'm having trouble with my Twitter here. Sorry about that. 
Uh, Clint Harms at Until Game on Twitter asks, fans seem to be excited to have a couple chain movers at running back. And that would be Gavin Williams and Sean Williams. And I get that. Having said that, with our lack of big playability on offense, isn't it just as important to have a guy that who can make who can take a three-yard run and turn it into a 65-yard TD, i.e. Wiseman slash Kanzeri. Yeah, I think what Clint is alluding to here is having kind of that, for lack of a better term, and to be Dr. Cliche, that thunder and lightning of a Wiseman, Kanzeri, um, a, a, you know, a Wadley, LaShawn, La, um, LaShawn Daniels types where you're, you're getting that yin and yang. Um, and I think the two Williams, Williams is, uh, LaShawn and, uh, Gavin are more similar than different, but you've got some younger guys, Patterson. Um, I think, uh, KJ, uh, Johnson is, uh, he's more similar to the Williams, I believe. Um, he's a bigger guy, but I don't think any of these guys lack um, an ability to to make a big play. I don't see, you know, a Wadley, Kanzeri, Tyler Goodson right now, um, but we still have time. Um, but I don't see that home run threat that you talk about, Clint. And I don't know. Can Iowa – is Iowa's offensive line going to be good enough to put together eight to 10 play drives to score touchdowns? Cause that's kind of where you're at now. Um, unless you get some big plays from the receivers and be able to push the ball downfield that way, then I think that complements that power running game even more. Um, but I would caution against, pigeonholing the Williams they have a little wiggle to them they have a little burst to them they're not certainly not Tyler Goodson or, or Wadley or Kanzeri um, but I also don't think they're wise men uh, you know and then no 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 offense to Mark um, I think Mark is uh was a guy who busted his ass here um, during a tough time and, and played I was lucky to have him when they did put it that way but um yeah, it's more him. It's LaShawn Daniels or LaShawn, LaShawn Daniels. I think these guys have a little bit more burst than that, but LaShawn had some, had popped some good runs too. I'm trying to think Minnesota at home, maybe um, back in 15. Can't remember. But uh, you just got to make it work. And it really starts up front. Being, again, be doctor. I'll be Dr. Cliche this time again. Um, you know, the, if you have the offensive line, it allows you to do more things offensively, set up play action. Um, and that's really, I think the idea this year is to get more positive runs from the running backs rather than maybe, you know, a 10 or 15 yarder, but then lose five, then you get eight and then lose two more consistently moving forward. And then that can open up play action. So I'm interested to see how it works. I'm always interested to see when you have a little bit of changing of the guard there to see what it'll look like, you know, through a different lens, through a different, um, 
style of play, whether it be, you know, a tight end or a wide receiver or running back or quarterback or whatever, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. But it's a valid concern, Clint, that there, at least to our knowledge right now, there doesn't appear to be a guy earmarked for the rotation that has home run ability. Um, I think LaShawn Williams has got some speed to him though. So let's wait and see. Let's see uh, kind of what they can do. And at this level, you don't need a ton. You get a little bit of a, a seam. You can kind of get a, you know, maybe it's not a 65 yarder. Maybe it's a 30 yarder and that runs that plays as well. Okay. Thanks Clint. Appreciate it. Clint's at until at until game on Twitter. Um, I encourage you guys to kind of interact with the people that ask me questions on here because they are very involved Hawkeye fans and I appreciate them taking part in the podcast. And last one is DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six. I'm going to assume Petrus starts for the Hawkeyes this year. I'm with you with that assumption, DC. I think the beginning of the season, Spencer Petrus will be your starting quarterback when Iowa plays host to South Dakota state. And then we'll see after that. What does a, what does a successful year look like for him? What odds do you put on that happening? Fair question. Um, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I am a Spencer Petrus fan as a person. Uh, few guys have come through here in my, this will be my 26th season, that have come through here that I just connect with and is easy to connect with. And I'm not the only one. You can ask Scott Doctor, my podcast partner on the Hotspot podcast or Pat Hardy or whoever in the media, Spencer is, is a, and it's not him kissing anybody's ass to get positive publicity. Cause I've had that before too. He's just a nice guy. Um, smart guy understands the game. I think he'll, he could be a really good coach someday. Um, if he chose to do that, but he knows he has to perform. We know he has to perform. He has to be better. He just does. And the pieces, as I said, the offensive line, the running backs, Receivers, everybody has to be better around him, but it starts with him. And he knows that. And I think he's motivated to be better in that area. What does a successful year look like for him? I think there are different layers to that, DC. Sorry, coffee sip time. Hopefully I haven't bogged the podcast down too much with the coffee sips, but I don't know if it's something statistical. Like, I don't think, I don't, I can't say it's like, 25 touchdowns and two interceptions with 2,500 yards. You know, that, that looks successful to me, but are you winning football games? That's where, to me, it – because there were there, – there was some hand-wringing last year when Iowa started 6-0 and because he wasn't, you know, knocking it out of the park, but Iowa was winning. If they continued to win – and didn't lose to Purdue and Wisconsin or went to the big 10 championship game. And he was lights out to me. It's playing big in the big games. That's what success looks like to me. Um, I think Nate Stanley struggled with that at times. He did not win a big 10 West title Spencer hats, or at least has been the starting quarterback on a team that has, as was Bethard. It's not to me, it's not a, a huge statistical 
they're, it's not landmarks. It, they're, they're not like you got, you have to get to a certain amount of touchdown passes and the, this amount of interceptions and, you know, this amount of yardage. It's moving the offense. It's, you know, you see, you know what it looks like when Iowa has a competent offense to better, you know, a, a good offense. It complements that defense and the special teams. It didn't do that enough last year. Needs to do that more this year. And I know I'm kind of being, um, I don't know, fudging it a bit or being evasive here or not really answering the question. But to me, in watching football and football under Kirk Ferentz all these years, it's being able to make the big plays when they're there. We saw it against Penn State last year when he hit the game. Those are the types of plays you need more of because it's not going to be an offense that just marches up and down the field and scores at will. This isn't 2002 where the offense was explosive and just that offense took the will away from opponents. It just beat opponents down, ran it down their throat, had a quarterback that could run, receivers that could stretch the field, tight end that was a Mackey Award winner. You know, it just – took the will away from opponents. I don't, I don't know as you can put the bar there for this offense and this quarterback. It just needs to be more efficient. It can't be as lame as it was at Wisconsin. That was just, you can't do that. You've got to be better in those situations. You have to be better than what you showed in the big 10 championship game. You just, even the, even the, um, the Capital One Bowl, just not enough making of the big plays. And that's how this offense is set up. You're not getting just an unlimited amount of chances to make the play. You know, you can't, you know, maybe struggle um, for the first series and know you're going to have, you know, 10 more to have the same opportunities. It's based on field position. Um, and that's how the play calling is, is, is designed. You're not going to take chances in certain areas of the field. So when you have those opportunities, you have to capitalize. And Nate Stanley and, and uh, Spencer Peters have not done enough of that. And that, to me, is where this has to be for Spencer Peters. He needs to seize the moment when the moment is there. And maybe that doesn't make sense to folks who are listening here, but that's kind of where it's at. Um, efficient, productive, making the big plays when they're there in the big games when they're needed. You know, throwing a, a, a you know a fourth touchdown against South Dakota State or Nevada is not maybe throwing that key touchdown to Nico Regani against Penn State. That's kind of what I'm talking. When the, when the lights are the brightest, you need to come through. Um, what are the odds of that happening? I, 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 maybe it's a cop-out. I don't know. It's so hard to, and I've learned this lesson over the years. I, you know, coming off of 2001, we were going to 2002. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know what the hell Brad Banks was. I didn't know Dallas Clark was going to do that. I didn't know that offensive line was just going to take off. You just don't know with Iowa football and the development 
a pretty good idea that the defense is going to be pretty salty. Special teams should be pretty good, although we'll see with kicker this year in returns. Those are two big holes to fill there, and I think have been um, maybe under-publicized this offseason is how big of a question mark those two things are and how important it's going to be to figure those things out. But then the efficient offense that makes the makeables and makes the plays when it needs to make them. I just, I, I feel like it's a cop out DC. I just don't know. And I, it's a fair question. I don't know what the odds are. I, I wouldn't know what to put the odds are on that. I'll have a better idea after the first few weeks, but uh, particularly when uh, some of the big boys come onto the schedule, but it's just hard. And I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, make a stupid prediction on or put a stupid tab. Yeah. Can't talk. Need a coffee sip. Give me a coffee sip and I'll finish up this podcast strong. I don't want to throw a percentage out there or an odds, you know, odds out there that are uneducated. And I think if I did that now, it would be uneducated. It would just be, and I know we're in the prediction game and, you know, everybody's got to have a hot take. I don't know. I, I'm, I go in, I've gotten to the point now in my career and covering Iowa football that I look forward to those seasons coming on because of the unexpected, the unknown, that possibility that it all comes together. Um, and that's really right. What needs to happen around here is it needs to come together. A lot of it came together last year, which made for a West Division championship, which made for a pretty good season. Uh, didn't end the way Iowa wanted it to, but a pretty good season overall. And that's what you're hoping for this year. Whether maybe the defense isn't as good, but the offense is better. And then the special team, you know, the defense and the special teams maybe drop off a little bit, which I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I still think this defense is going to be really good, but maybe the offense lifts itself up a little bit. And then that complimentary football gets you to where you want to get to anyway. Um, that's kind of the way it works here. And I think people that pay attention to Iowa football enough know that's how it works here. Um, you're not going to see a Ohio State offense here. You're not going to see, you know, a Purdue offense here. You're going to see an offense that's a, when operating at its highest level makes the plays it needs to make and complements defense and special teams. So it's kind of where I'm at on that. Fair questions, good questions, DC and everybody else who uh, took part in the podcast today. I appreciate your input and questions as always. As I said, next week, we're probably looking at Wednesday again because of the Big Ten football press conference in Indianapolis that I most likely will be attending. I haven't made a final decision, but I'm leaning towards dragging my old ass down there to another time zone to kick off some Big Ten football. So look forward to that and uh, look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you again to Systems Unlimited, Wild Rose Casino, and Edward Jones for their support. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Peace.